Richie, how did you and the team go about preparing for this outreach to Native Americans that was like 2,000 miles away? Our first priority was to pray, obviously, and ask God to put together the right team. Um, the conditions are kind of rough. It's one of the toughest mission trips we do at our church, actually, and it's right here in the U.S. But we first pray, and once God assembled a team, uh, I went over with them what the conditions would be, which meant, you know, 100-degree days during the day down to 40 uh, degrees at night, in which we were sleeping in the teepees, no air, no heat, no running water. Um, so I prepared them for what was ahead physically, but there was an aspect to it spiritually as well. This is not a Christian uh, tribe or a Christian uh, reservation. It's, for the most part, can be very anti-Christian. So there was, you know, an element of spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes. And so we we committed to a lot of prayer and, and, and preparation spiritually for the most part. Now, you mentioned that you slept in teepees, and some of the, the images I've seen of the mission showed them being built. Did did your team actually build your own teepees? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We had a, 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 a trailer that we hauled to the reservation. Uh, the, the pastor that we partner with up there, Bruce Plummer, he has a, 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 a basically a powwow ministry where he, he goes to these different powwows, and uh, this is how he, he ministers by picking up trash and offering free water and coffee. And so at his, we called it uh, camp, but back at his home uh, where we met him, he's got a little campground there that we spent the first night. But uh, when we pulled up, when we started loading up, and we had 110 TP poles that we loaded on a trailer, um, eight uh, skins, we called them, which was wrapped around the poles once you got them set up. I mean, we... We set these up um, traditionally uh, as well. I mean, we literally had to lay each pole a certain way. We had to face the doors east. When the poles were laying on the ground, we we couldn't step over them. We had to walk around them just because that was uh, a respect thing. The natives there believe you shouldn't step over the TP poles. So everything we did was culturally correct, uh, if, if that's the right word. I believe it is. So you said uh, sleeping in the teepee, uh, you're kind of dealing with the elements? Yes, sir, absolutely. Uh, what was the first thing you folks did, you know, the first day or two to you know, meet the people and hopefully, you know, win some rapport and some respect with them? What, what did you right. do? The first thing we did when we got there before we ever even unpacked the bag is we cleaned the powwow grounds. I mean, and we, we, we got trash bags and pickup sticks, and we went around and we picked up the entire grounds. And, and the only people that was there at the time were just the elders who are setting up the uh, <clears throat> setting up kind of for their stuff. And then people from all around just tr start traveling in, and you'll see, you know, one car after another pulling up or one truck or people walking from their, 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 their local reservation walking up. But the first thing we did is we got in our vehicles and cleaned up the powwow grounds for them. Now, was there an event taking place where people were coming, and in addition, you came? Well, the powwow was the event, and it was a, a 
a four day event basically. And mm-hmm. the first day we got there, we, we, we cleaned up the grounds and we laid an artificial turf out up under the pavilion. So the dances and, and all the things that they done, they wouldn't have to do it on dirt. So we laid out artificial turf for them and we, and then at that point we, after everything was set for, for them to get started, we set up our camp, which uh, consisted of, eight teepees, uh, a central tent for us to uh, have meals under and pray together and have devotionals together. And then at that point, then we uh, went up closer to where the pavilion was and we set up our water distribution tent. And that's where we had uh, we had free water and then we had our uh, Evangel Cube sitting on the table where if they asked what was that, then we could tell them the story of the gospel. But otherwise you couldn't like evangelize in a, in a typical way? No, they they really didn't want us to do that. That was kind of the trade-off that you know. Uh, I think if we if we were there to 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 really wanted to minister to them, you know, our our idea was show them our works and our faith. And our works were cleaning up the trash on a uh, every hour we we made rounds, and then uh, obviously giving them free water because uh, you know we need water to survive, and uh, and then. The agreement is if they ask us about spiritual questions, then we can we can obviously go into that. So that was a great tool because the Vanja Cube is is sitting there and it's it tells the story of Christ when you go through it. But we you know we had to be culturally sensitive also of how we used the Vanja Cube with children. It wasn't such a big deal, but with the adults, uh, we we tend to try to use the Son of God instead of Jesus because they had such a, a bad historical view of, of people coming in there sharing Jesus. You know, they took their kids and put them in boarding schools and told them to cut their hair, and they couldn't use their native language. There's just a really bad history on these reservations of people doing things in the name of Jesus but wasn't necessarily Christian. And that history gets passed down through oral tradition, so people exactly. keep hearing about it. Yeah, Right, so they keep hearing about it, so... You know, where the elders, we would kind of approach it in a different way. The children, you know, they they don't have that instilled in them yet. So it was a lot easier to minister to the children. And and I think that's why so many children came to faith, because they didn't have that preconceived history in their minds where the adults and the elders did. I understand that uh, a boy named Billy showed up, had a lot of interest in in Jesus and faith. Uh, can you tell us about Billy? Sure. So Billy was one of the kids that come up and said, can I have a water? And of course we give him a water and he looks down at the cube and says, what is this? And of course, uh, I tell Billy, uh, I was the one that ministered to Billy. I said, this, this is, uh, this tells a story. And he said, well, I'd like to hear the story. So we got a little place on the side of the tent that we uh, had some chairs set up. I went through the gospel with Billy and, Billy's eyes just lit up, uh, and that happened with a lot of the children, but really he was just, I mean, it was like instantaneous. Billy said, well, it's like a no-brainer. I want to choose the Creator Sets Free, and that's that was another a way another way that we shared, uh, you know, Jesus without using his name was their, their term for Jesus was Creator. Their term for God is Creator, and so uh, Bruce Plummer, who was the minister up there who lives with them, 
he helped trans, do an indigenous translation of the Bible, and that 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 Bible has been distributed in that uh, area, but not everybody uh, is acceptable to it. But that was the term in that Bible that they used for Jesus, the Creator sets free. So uh, a lot of times I would use that term, and and you know that was uh, something in a way they could understand. And 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 Billy said, I choose Creator sets free, and. Um, Billy asked, could he keep the cube? And we, we, we had, a, you know, probably a hundred of them. And in order for a kid or anybody to keep it, we had to tell them to repeat the story. And so Billy, I said, Billy, if you can repeat this story to me, uh, I'll let you keep the cube. And anyway, so uh, he said, well, tell it to me again. And so I went through it again. And there's a place on the on the cube at the very back where it shows a picture of a Bible and it shows a picture of a, uh, somebody kneeling down to pray. And it shows a, a picture of, uh, like the church and, and, you know, it goes into, okay, now once you become a believer, you should pray and you should go to church and then read your Bible. And he, Billy said, well, I can't read. I said, well, Billy, uh, you know, God may can help you with that. And, I said, but you can still tell this story using this cube without being able to read. And so he, he kept practicing and kept practicing until he got it. And so um, I also showed Billy, uh, he didn't have a smartphone, but he lived with his grandmother. And I showed him the Bible app and how he could he could just listen to the Bible through the Bible app. And that just blew his mind. And he was so excited to go tell his grandmother. But Billy kept practicing and he kept coming back to our tent till he could actually present the gospel himself and billy started wanting to work with us wanting to help pick up trash he wanted to help give away waters he wanted to just be with us be with us and i can't tell you how many kids he went and got and brought back to the tent to hear the story of jesus and so billy he just kind of became one of us uh, for the rest of the week and we just fell in love with him and he fell in love with us and i stated in a uh, that I, I felt like Billy was probably called to ministry that first day he was a Christian, you know? Wow. How old is Billy? He's 10. All right. So do you believe Billy was specifically chosen by God for this purpose? No doubt in my mind um, about that, yes. So for Billy or another young person uh, in the tribe there, Considering the economy and some of the struggles on the reservations, what could his future look like? Well, um, that that's a good question. You know, ju- just by their own means and um, the history, he, he's going to struggle. But, you know, factoring God in the equation is limitless. You know, what God can do. So... I say the sky's the limit for Billy, but again, they're very poor, and um, you know Billy had the same clothes on every day. Uh, he had wore out shoes. Um, we we left him with what he could wear that some of us had. My son left some clothes. Um, another young lady left a, him some shirts that you know would be appropriate for him to wear. And it's really hard to say. You know, Billy Billy struggles to read. He can't read. He struggles in school. But he knows the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's got the Holy Spirit of God living in him now. So, all right. How many gave their hearts to Jesus during your visit? Uh, a total of thirty-three that we know of. 
Are there people now who can help them with discipleship to help them to grow? Oh, absolutely. We we got everybody's name down. That's how we knew how many, because we took their names. Uh, we shared the gospel with many others uh, that didn't necessarily tell us, you know, what they wanted to do. I think some wanted, to, obviously some wanted to think about it, but I, I trust that we planted seeds. But we took down 33 names of people, and um, we, uh, Pastor Bruce, he's very familiar with that reservation and, and knows pretty much every family there. So he's that's his task now to follow up. And we we hope to go back, you know, next year and ourselves and hopefully see some of the same people and follow up. For those of you who came up from Georgia, how did this experience touch your hearts? Well, you know, just like any mission trip, you think you're going to minister to them and it ends up the other way around. The fact that there's a place in the United States that you can't just roll up and jump out your car and say, let me tell you about my Jesus. You know, that's uh, kind of unbelievable, you know, because you can't do that there. I mean, there's a whole completely different laws. There's They have their own, you know, they have to adhere to federal laws, but state laws, they make their own. And if they want to shut down churches, they can shut down churches. If they want to ban missionaries from powwows, they can do that. But it changed us because we... We didn't just go minister to them and go back to a hotel. We we lived with them. We stayed on their reservation. We lived how they lived. And, um, you know, it really opened our eyes to to uh, this culture. And, and they're right here in the United States, and it's almost like a different country when you're on the reservation. Was there any special moment for you on the trip? Something's going to stick in your mind forever? Um. Well, uh, definitely Billy. I mean, he was just uh, he was just special, you know. And there was there was a lot of different stories, you know. There was a there was a young lady, uh, probably mid thirties, who kept coming through our camp, and we had to put things away, you know, because they kept going missing, and you could tell that she was struggling with substance abuse, and you know that was. She was uh, she was really on my wife's heart to go minister to her, and you know before we left, uh, we had ministered to her and fed her and loved on her, and she came to faith. You know she's she's another story that will always stick to my mind, and the joy that came to her face when we told her she could be set free from drugs and 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 the other things she was partaking in. Just I'll never forget her face, and um, her name was Sasha, and. You know, there was there was story after story of, of people who I will never forget. And, you know, the experience of uh, and, and the bond that we created, the 15 of us, you know, being there just, you know, it, it was it was really dirty and it was really hot. And, you know, it wasn't like we could just run and get cleaned up, you know, whenever we felt like it. Uh, and but it was it was definitely an experience I'll never forget. And I understand that your church is is extremely active in missions. Can can you tell us, you know, where your church people go? Yeah. So uh, we had a team leave for Honduras this morning, a medical-slash-evangelism trip. Uh, We we incorporate evangelism in everything we do. Uh, We believe that's the the mission of the church is to spread the gospel. And 
Um, but also we believe in showing our faith with our works. So we, we have a medical mission team going out this morning to Honduras. Tomorrow we have a team uh, going to Santiago de Cuba that will do an evangelism trip there. Uh, uh, in, in two weeks we have a team going to Ukraine and Romania, and they'll be ministering uh, across the border and to uh, try to minister to pastors who have lost their churches and their congregations. and uh, We go all over the world. We we got a trip coming up to Liberia, one to um, Malawi, Africa. We have a huge emphasis on local missions as well uh, right here in South Atlanta. So we don't neglect our, our home, but we also go all over the world. Richie, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us. Yes, sir. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.